Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to today's episode. Looking forward to finishing a thought that we started last episode about the potter and the clay. And we're in verse number five of our text. Remember, God has spoken to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, leave your house or leave wherever you are. Get up, go to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. So Jeremiah obeys. I don't know what God's going to say to me, but he wants me there. So he went there. And before God ever spoke to Jeremiah, Jeremiah just watched. And as he was watching, he saw the potter working on a project. And for whatever reason, that project just was uh, not able to be completed. There was something about the clay. It was marred. And the potter began the whole process again and made it another vessel. And the Bible says, as Jeremiah watched this, Then God spoke to him. And so in that sense, God showed him something before he told him something. So what now, after Jeremiah has seen this, does God want to say? Look at verse number five again, where it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel. Interesting, because technically Israel was the entire nation, all 12 tribes. Remember the split between the, the in, in the nation where the northern tribes retained the name of Israel and the southern nation, the two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, retained the name of Judah. But now Israel has been destroyed. That's over 100 years ago now to Jeremiah. And Judah is on the precipice of invasion by Babylon. And yet God chooses to call her the house of Israel. Why? Because God still has a plan for his nation. And even though Judah represents a vestige of that nation, uh, just a, a remnant, God still views her as an intact unit to whom he has made a promise. So he says to her, O house of Israel, verse number six, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, here's the message. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. Well, now we get it. Now we understand what God has been symbolizing. And what is that? That is that you, O house of Israel, you are like that clay. You are like that clay. And I, house of Israel, I am the potter. I am the former. I am the maker. I am the one that has in my mind what I want to do with you. But you have not cooperated. Uh, You have not been listening. Uh, You have not been receptive to the forming of my hands and the purpose of my heart. And so now I have to go to another plan. He'll work, work you in another way. I'm still going to use you. I'm still going to work in your lives, but it's going to be different now. 
And of course, we know that God is going to send them into captivity. God's going to teach them a lesson through circumstances, but that's still God working. It's still God forming. It's still God making them. Just like in the New Testament sense, you know, our job is to live holy lives, uh, cooperate with the Holy Spirit of God, let God work in us, uh, serve him, follow him. Now, the fact is, sometimes we too are backsliders, and sometimes we too rebel against God. Does that mean that Romans 8.28 is no longer true? Does that mean that God is no longer working in our life when we're wandering from him or we're ambivalent about his will or we're living in a lukewarm environment? Not at all. What that means is God works in other ways through circumstances and sometimes even through his spankings to form into us the character of Christ. So God is still working. He's still forming. We're still the clay. He's still the potter, but he's working in a way differently than perhaps the way that he would have and and even wanted to work. And that's the principle here of Jeremiah chapter 18. I used to preach a message years ago to teenagers in which I kind of extended the metaphor. I'm not sure how wise that is, but I'll offer it to you just as a practical application of the passage. And that is, you know, the way that a potter works on clay is a great illustration for how we can be in a position for God to work on us in a, in a valuable way. As a matter of fact, I call that message valuable vessels. And often in the Bible, God refers to us as like his vessels. Remember uh, the passage there in 1 Corinthians, uh, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, jars of clay, right? So uh, here in Jeremiah chapter 18, we see a potter and we see clay. I remember as a seventh grade boy uh, in art class in my middle school in Newington, Connecticut, seeing a potter work on clay for the first time and how mesmerized I was as a 12-year-old boy watching this, this professional potter work on this clay in a, a, a pottery shop at, at my public school. It was amazing. And what I noticed about that potter is that he had the ability to do with clay something far greater than my ability right? Uh, because after the that potter, that art teacher showed all of us seventh graders, we all got a chance to work on a vessel. But what I noticed was he, the potter, was far better at forming the vessel than I was. And there's a principle, right? And that is that God is far better at forming your life than you are. And so let God have his way in your life. Let God make the choices for your life. Seek him in prayer. Follow his word carefully. Why? Because the potter knows better than you do about you. And so there's the principle of the potter. But then I noticed as well that that potter, when he would form that clay, he would take that clay and throw it right down in the middle of the wheel. Now, why? Why why did he throw the clay in the middle of the wheel? Because as the wheel would spin round and round, it was the the force, the centrifugal force, that's the force that works outward from the middle, and the centripetal force, that's the force that works inward from the outside, were in balance because that that clay was in the middle of of the wheel. And I don't want to stretch the application, but boy, it's important for us to be in the middle of the wheel, 
or could I say better, in the middle of God's will. Why? Because it's in that spot where I'm in the middle, where God can work on me in my life. Now, I'm not trying to be on the edge of the wheel of God, uh, where, where the pressure that should be working for me works against me. What happens when you put place an object on the outside of a moving wheel? Well, then that centrifugal force is greater than that centripetal force, and you get flung off that wheel, don't you? If you've ever been on one of those those merry-go-rounds, you know what I'm talking about, right? The, the force that you're feeling. And so, wow, it's important to be in the middle, right? And then I think a, a third practical application of a potter and clay is the fact that 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 clay was in motion. That there's a certain there's a certain strength, they call it tensile strength of the clay, a certain uniformity to the way that clay is formed when it's formed in motion. You know, I could take, I suppose, a a lump of clay and with a, a graving tool and my fingers and and smoothing, I could make a good-looking bowl without ever having the bowl formed through the motion of a wheel. The problem would be the strength because where I pinched that clay, it wouldn't f- have that tinsel strength, that uniform strength that's formed only in motion. You know, that's how God forms us. God forms us. God works in our life as we are in motion, obeying the things that we know to do. I being in the way, I'm already obeying, said uh, said uh, uh, Eleazar. That's the name I was looking for. Uh, Abraham's steward. I being in the way the Lord led me. And boy, there's an important principle there of just being in motion. And then I think finally, when I watched that potter years ago when I was in the seventh grade, I noticed that as he would form the clay, he would dip his fingers in a little bowl of water and just make sure his fingers were wet. And then he'd apply his fingers back on his hands, back onto that clay. So that clay constantly stayed lubricated. Why? Because it is the tendency of clay to get hardened, to grow hard. And so it's the constant lubrication of that clay by that water that keeps it malleable, that keeps it formable. And boy, there's a great principle there too, isn't isn't there? And that is that I am the clay and the tendency in my life is to become hardened, to become inured to the things of God, the word of God, serving God. And I need that constant lubricant of the water of the word of God, the water of God's Holy Spirit in my life to keep me fresh and and malleable and and yielded and formable uh, to the things that he wants to do in my life. And I don't know if if all of that can be extracted from this text. I might be overreaching, but I thought that those were some really practical points that we could consider as it comes to the relationship between a potter and the clay. Look at verse number seven, where God extends now what he's saying about the nation and, and him as a potter. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up, to pull down, to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, 
I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. In other words, God says, I pronounce judgments. I might be forming a certain way, but as you respond to what I am doing, as you repent, God says, then you know, my promises are conditional and my threatenings are conditional. I love what one commentator said about that. And so here God is saying, listen, there's always time. There's always room for you to, do you see it now? Will, will you repent now? Verse number nine, and at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plan it. If it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good. Wherewith, wherewith I said I would benefit them. In other words, it works both ways. Don't rest on your laurels when it comes to obedience and don't get overwrought with desperation or despair when you're living wrong because repentance invites the, the blessings and change of God and uh, lukewarmness or apathy about the benefits of God will bring his judgment. So it works both ways. Verse number 11, now therefore go to, speak to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem saying, thus saith the Lord, behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. That, that's the, the exact word for shaping clay. So God is continuing this metaphor when he says, Jeremiah, go tell this to the people that I will devise a device, verse number 11, against you, return ye now everyone from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good. In other words, God says, I love you, O house of Israel. Uh, I have a purpose for you. Now my purpose, the way that I accomplish my purpose is gonna change. You know, I'm gonna form you in a different way. It might be through uh, the hard chisel, the hard graving tool of captivity in Babylon. So make up your mind, how, what, what method do you want me to use in the formation of you for my purpose? Boy, you ought to do it my way. Remember, I am the potter and you are the clay. So great principles for us to consider. We'll quit there in verse number 11 and we'll watch the response of God's people to that simple message from Jeremiah, but we'll have to see that next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.